Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Ball Live Chat Edition, live Q&A, Talking Giants. Even though we're tired of this year's team, even though we're tired of the repeat offenses, the games week in, week out, where the Giants right now don't even look like they have a chance to win. The players are trying. They're playing hard, at least at the start. But with this kind of offense you're trotting out and now giving up 640 yards to the Cowboys, the dam breaks, and not a lot of positivity around East Rutherford, New Jersey right now, unfortunately. But I am always here to break it down, to process it with you, and to tell you what I know, what I feel is coming around the bend, uh, what you can watch for, um, whose jobs are in jeopardy, who's on the hot seat, what's happening with the players, what does the injury report look like, uh, what are their plans for the future. Anything and everything is always on the table here. Uh, you guys know that, and I really appreciate everybody who comes to these chats week in and week out and makes them uh, great for the community that we're building here on the YouTube channel at PL and NFL and on the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast. Before we get this underway, I want to tell you about Bet Online, and then we'll get right to the questions. I see you guys in there. Michael Knight is first. Good evening, Pat. Good evening, Michael. Uh, the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to the Bet Online today and remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I'm going to start right with your questions. Let's get to Michael. First question. Do you honestly believe that the Giants are not going to draft a quarterback? Uh, no. No, I do not believe they are not going to draft a quarterback. Here we have uh, Mr. Daniel Jones up here, uh, the little bobblehead doll. And he's shaking his head. Yes, unfortunately for me, the Giants are going to draft a quarterback if they have a top two, top three pick. I mean, Yes, you have the money invested in Daniel for next year, but you have two neck injuries, a torn ACL, and an infrastructure that doesn't support him, right? At his juncture in the career, in his career, what are the Giants giving Daniel Jones right now? He would be a much better quarterback suited to be a team that had an offensive line and a plan where he could manage the game right? The, the idea of what they could be and maybe what they were, let's say last year against an easier schedule with Saquon Barkley running the ball with the defense and Saquon leading the way. And then Daniel Jones's legs and uh, his mobility, and then his ability to kind of be that dual threat quarterback along with it, you kind of add that together and that becomes how he succeeds. Right. And even then his touchdown passes were down you know, he kept the turnovers down, but at the expense of big plays being down. And, uh, you know, he needs a situation like that. That situation to me is not the Giants. It's not the Giants next year. It's not the Giants the year after that. Uh, this is a full-blown uh, crisis here in New Jersey, in northern New Jersey and East Rutherford, where the Giants, um, you know, 
call, what where they what they call home at MetLife Stadium, where they are two and eight and skidding rapidly towards a top three uh, draft pick here. And so, um, you know, I think it's a major concern that you would think they would forego the option and the ability to draft a quarterback when really in the NFL, you have to take chances at the most important position in the sport, even when you think you have a guy who could turn into that person. Daniel Jones, is no he's no longer young anymore, right? He's a guy who, based on his age and experience, should be entering the prime of his career. But given his injury history and where the Giants are from a roster standpoint, and who knows who the coaches are going to be once we get to next year, the year after that, 2024, 2025. And so you look at that, and, and I say to myself, the Giants need to take a big swing at a quarterback at the quarterback position, top three, top four, top five, because you never know when you're going to strike and get that player who's going to make your team relevant for the next 10 to 15 years. Do I not believe in Daniel as a professional quarterback? No, no. I think he can help a team. I think he can be a starter and be successful on a team again in his career, but for the Giants short and long term. Do I think it makes sense for them to keep building around him and forego drafting a quarterback next year with a top five pick? No, I do not. So. All right, let's get to the next question. Giants Chronicles. Looks like he's still talking about Dexter Lawrence not talking after the game and Arch Stapleton calling him out. Chronicles, I would say this. Um, I think that situation reflects how much tension and frustration there is right now around the Giants. Just the fact that we're getting to the point where players are, you know, calling out reporters and, um, you know, saying they're not going to talk after they give up 640 yards and 49 points. And frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with suggesting that Dexter Lawrence, a captain and one of the highest paid and best players on the team, should speak after a game like that. And I also think that, you know, from my standpoint, I spoke to Dexter directly about it that night. And, you know, he understood what his responsibility was, but he had family there. It was his birthday and he wanted to spend some time with them. Now Dexter does uh, hold himself accountable. He does stand up and talk. He consistently makes himself available and always is accountable in those types of moments. So that's what made it surprising. Um, I would say this, you know, I think Art Stapleton made a good point. And frankly, here's the bottom line. Forget Dexter, forget Art. Giants organization and Giants public relations job in that moment is to make that interview happen. Even if it's Dexter Lawrence is only going to take three questions because uh, he's got way more family here than he ever does at these games. He only has 20 minutes. Guys, make it quick. You know, you get a you get a quote from one of the best players and most important players on the team about one of the worst losses in recent memory, and then you move on, right? That is public relations job. That's Giants PR's job. That's the Giants job. And so these types of this kind of friction, it happens when things are going bad. It happens when frustrations mount. Um it also happens when the facilitation doesn't happen that should. So 
I would ask you guys and ask people who like you're putting clown emojis and this kind of thing. Like that's, you know, that's not, that's counterproductive. Like these are real people in a real situation. Everybody has their own perspective on it. But to me, there are professionals paid to make that situation happen um, and to make sure that it's not, um, doesn't turn into a total, you know, shit show like we're looking at right now. And obviously that's not, that's the least of the Giants worries and concerns about what's going on poorly right now in Giants land. But I do think that Chronicles, when, when you see uh, players refusing to talk in a moment like that, who have large standing on a team, like, let me just be perfectly honest. Like the Giants are caving in. It is coming down. It is collapsing. Like for Darius Slayton, people, people on the outside really don't understand this. Like they're talking about this almost like it's a diva receiver freaking out or something for Darius Slayton to say enough is enough on the sideline. That should tell anybody who knows this team well enough, everything too much losing too many bad decisions, too much happening to the point that players just feel like, you know what? I got to put my foot down and say something enough is enough. Like, this is just not a bad situation. All right. Rick Bowman says, how do you craft questions for Joe Shane that don't get Pat answers, but Pat answers? How do you avoid will evaluate all options at the end of the year? And there are X more games to evaluate progress. Hmm. So Rick is asking, about how I will approach questions for Joe Shane, the general manager during the bye week in order to make sure we get real answers and not just, um, you know, surface level uh, non-answers. I think Rick, well, first of all, you know, the answer that he'll evaluate everything at the end of the year is still one you need at that moment, because like let's say they lose to the commanders and the Patriots and are two and 10 at that juncture. And they've lost in blowout fashion in three or four of the last four games at that juncture, you're going to need him to say out loud, first of all, that they're not firing anybody at the bye week right? Um, you're going to need to hear that. And you're going to need to hear, Oh, we're going to wait till the end of the year. But to me, Rick, you know, Joe Shane, he needs to be available twice in the upcoming months. He needs to be available at the bye week and then again after the season. Because first of all, that's the that's the standard, right? That's what he did last season. That's what general managers do. Um, he didn't talk at the deadline. He he wants to do the bye week. Fine, but that means to me, the first availability for Joe Shane, the general manager, in uh the bye week, not so it's Washington, New England, and the bye. The first availability there needs to be a discussion about a lot of the miscues and misevaluations and missteps along the way here and kind of the autopsy and diagnosis of how this has gone so wrong and the accountability and questions about how did we get here and how are they um, how are they planning on fixing their process and what questions do they have internally about how they evaluate players how they coach, how they deal with people, how they treat players and, you know, uh, uh, how they negotiate, how they deal with player health and the training staff and how they practice. Like all of those things can be discussed now. They don't have to be discussed after the season. 
And so frankly, Rick, the way you craft the questions is to talk about the here and now and to talk about accountability and to make sure that Joe Shane understands that what we're here to talk about is not about um, hope for the future or, um, you know, a wait and see idea, because frankly, Rick, it's a disservice to the fans if Joe Shane gives non-answers on a team and on a season that it's hard to remember a season more disappointing than this one. And all these other ones we've just come, come off of under Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge, they each had at least one season where you look at it and you say, it can't get worse than this, right? Well, this is worse. And so it would be a disservice to the fans to answer, to answer those things with general uh, comments, in my opinion. Uh, Chronicle says, what is the mood in the locker room? What are you hearing from sources about how everything is in the building? It's very bad. Uh, it's a toxic feeling environment. It was extremely tense today talking to Xavier McKinney at his locker. And um, the mood, frankly, Chronicles is guys are taking care of themselves. Um, they all kind of they'll look at you and say, what we really need is a win right now for everybody to feel a little bit better about this. But you look in their eyes and they know that a win is not coming. And I think as we see the injuries pile up, like Saquon's ankle right now, again, banged up. Bobby Okereke has got a hip he's managing. Um, I personally think it's only going to get worse. He says, uh, Joe and Dable better do right by Saquon and give him an extension in the offseason. All this man has done for the franchise is busted his ass off. They should reward him for that. Um, wait and see there. I mean, I know Saquon says he wants to be a giant for life, and I'm sure if they – give him a chance to do that at the right price. He would do it. I also think that if the giants moved on from Saquon and let him test free agency and go somewhere else, I think he would do it. I just don't think Saquon wants to be the one to say I'm out of here. Right. So I think he's playing it in a smart, intelligent political way, but I do think that, you know, there is a scenario where he doesn't mind moving on as long as he's not the person to sever it is, is the way I feel like I came out of those negotiations in the summer feeling like this isn't about things that have happened during the season. This is about how it went in the summer, how we talked to him coming into the season off of all those negotiations and that ugliness and kind of where it stood and where they left it, even though he's focused on the season, he's been playing football, playing hard, playing through injury. Um, I still believe in my heart of hearts that, he wants to stay here. He's going to say he wants to stay here. And maybe he will if the price is right and they offer them that deal. But, you know, Saquon could end up going somewhere else as long as he's not making it look like I'm out of here on New York because he doesn't want to be that way. He doesn't want to do that. And it's kind of like the circumstances that were maybe pushing him to, to it. Uh, CJR seems like he's, uh, responding to the Dexter Lawrence situation says trash. You don't celebrate birthdays as an adult man. That is bizarre. Um, okay. Moving to Hunter. Uh, good evening, Pat. How's the week been around MetLife stadium? Hunter, it's been dark, man. It's been the, the giants know who they are right now. Like that juncture of games where they had the bills, the jets, that, part of the schedule where the offense still couldn't score, but the defense was playing well, keeping them in the games. And all they needed was a little bit from the offense, right? And a little bit of 
game management from Brian Dable and a little bit of help from the coaching staff. And they didn't get it. And they lost those games. And that is the feeling I think that I get from talking to the players is like, you know, you go from that to then trading Leonard Williams, one of your captains, and frankly, a pretty big miscalculation on the part of the front office and, you know, Brian Dable, Joe Shane, ownership. Now, listen, you and I and everybody else, we all agreed that going into the trade deadline, Leonard Williams was one of the players who made the most sense for them to trade given how the season was going. But I don't know if anybody had a full appreciation internally for what trading him would do to the players in that locker room and their belief in what they were doing and in what this season really was and in where this program was going. I I think, you know, listen, we've asked this question of a lot of people, like, is the defense dipping, especially because they saw the Leonard Williams trade and they say, well, you know, the front office is out on the season. Why should we continue fighting? No one's going to answer that question and say, yeah, you know, we're slumping our shoulders more because Leonard got traded. They're all saying, listen, it's still about us. It's still about pride. We miss Leonard, but that's not has nothing to do with anything. But I personally do believe that, you know, you give some of these leaders, some of these guys truth serum, they would tell you that it's extremely difficult now in the wake of the Leonard Williams trade. When you face that adversity, right, when like when the Cowboys start going up 14 nothing, or when the Raiders have that first touchdown drive and they score easier than you expected them to, and then your offense stinks like always, it makes it more difficult in those moments to keep fighting and playing as well at that top level because, yeah, the injuries are piling up. But also, you know, you don't have what – like remember the Buffalo game – Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau almost like fighting the Bills offensive line in the end zone. Remember that where all those guys got fined, but you know, they were going to war there, right? Like they were going to war up in, in, uh, in an upstate New York on a, on a night like that, they lose the game. But you think of that picture of him and Dexter Lawrence and sticking up for Thibodeau and all that. And now you trade a guy like that. And it's just, it just doesn't have the same feeling of resilience from the defense ever since that trade. There's other factors, obviously. And I wrote about this in the daily news, you know, the offense is futility. They know that if they don't play a perfect game, you know, they're not going to win. And that puts more pressure on every single play. It's like, you can't give up a point. Leonard Williams, that trade. And then Xavier McKinney, you know, the tense stuff going on with Xavier McKinney. We talked to him today, finally at his locker, um, kind of twi- had to twist his arm to talk. And, um, you know, all he said was, we're going to keep trying to win. We, we want to win. Everybody's trying to win. Um, he kind of resented the suggestion that Dable did him a favor by not benching him, saying, was I supposed to be benched? Um, it's just a really ugly situation. Personally, to me, it looks like McKinney's done with the Giants and the Giants are done with him and they're just playing out the string. But that's a guy who's playing 100% of the snaps on Wink Martindale's defense. And that's what we're talking about is that he's out, right? I mean, he's playing on the field. You saw him in Dallas, but I mean, he's not going to be here next year and the Giants don't want him here next year. And you can see it, right? You can just see it. It's like, it's playing out the string. Rick Bowman, screwball Thursday. That is right. Screwball Thursday. Thanks for being here, everybody. Again, um, as you know, we always uh, love to do the super chats. 
the super stickers. You can pay money to have your comment or your question elevated to the top of our chat here. Uh, it really spices up our conversations when we do that. Um, really appreciate all your support, whether you purchase a super sticker, super chat, or you're just participating. You guys are such loyal followers and fans, and I just love doing these. I really do enjoy them, whether it's the Thursday night live uh, halftime live chat at halftime of Amazon Prime Video, Thursday night football, Bengals, um, Ravens tonight, or it's our Giants post-game live chats that we do every week. I'll do another one from FedEx Field in Washington after the Giants-Washington game this coming week. So stay tuned for that. Um, unfortunately, I'm worried about what the good result's going to be there. It's a team the Giants usually beat. Not so sure about this time around, especially given how the Giants' defense has been playing because, like I said, you know they're not going to score a lot of points on offense. And Washington looked in that second half against the Giants and recently like they figured more things out on offense. I'm worried about what their passing attack is going to do to the Giants defense and to their secondary. Uh, we will see, though. We will be there to break it all down on our live Q&A after that game. And I'm looking forward to that, as always. If you don't subscribe already to our page here, please do. Please give us a rating or a review, comments, the thumbs up, hit the thumbs up or the like button. Anything you can do while we are doing this chat right now helps get the word out of what we're doing, brings more people to our conversation and always augments and improves and uh, continues to build the community that we have here on this YouTube page that I really think um, is one of the favorite things I've done in recent memory here is kind of connect with you guys, the fans, really take your pulse and you guys kind of light me up and inspire me to think about a lot of things that maybe I'm not thinking about already, or also to dig out a lot of the notes and nuggets that they might not go in the paper tomorrow or today, but they're still at the tip of my tongue. They're in the back of my mind and we bring them all to the forefront in these live chats. So I really do enjoy them. Let's get to some more questions. Oh, and they're pouring in here. I love it. All right, let's see. We have, uh, yep. Hunter Keller says every day is screwball Thursday watching this team. Sadly, that's for sure. Uh, Luann, big blue fan. Hey, Pat. Yeah. Hey, Luann. How you doing? Welcome back. Hunter says, did you find the stat for time difference, offense and defense? Oh, no, I didn't. But, um, I did. This is kind of interesting. So this caught me off guard. I was doing my snap counts. Um, and I posted on, uh, Instagram and on Twitter about some of the giant snap leaders for the season. And I was stunned at the fact that the offense had played more snaps than the defense. The offense has played 675 snaps and the defense has played 647, Hunter. found that really interesting because I feel like in a lot of these games early on, it feels like the Giants offense is never on the field. They're always going three and out. They're always putting the Giants defense back on the field. Long drives. Giants defense gets tired. And... Um, I guess, you know, the way it balances out is then at the at the back end of these games, the offense is on the field more and the defenses are going prevent and the game's over and those snaps are kind of accumulating. But it is fascinating to see um, that even when the numbers are lopsided, really the other way, when the games count, by the time you get to the end, uh, the Giants offense still has played more snaps. It's really funny, but not indicative of how the season has gone. Uh, but I'll get that to you, Hunter, I promise. Um, Luann says Kafka gone, Wink stays, DJ is the quarterback next season. Luann, frankly, I think right now everything is on the table. And what I mean by that is Martindale's job, Kafka's job, Dable's job, 
Shane's job. But listen, the, we've talked about this on here. The Giants don't intend to and don't want to fire this general manager and head coach. There's no question about it. But are they going to empty all the coordinators and assistant coaches and say that the general manager who made all these personnel mistakes and the head coach who made all these in-game management mistakes um, and who ran the worst offense in the NFL when he was supposed to be an offensive guru, that it's not their fault? Like, it's going to be very strange if Thomas McGahee, Mike Kafka, and Don Martindale, Wink Martindale are fired, let go, whatever you want to say, and the GM and head coach stay. That would be very strange. It would put a lot of pressure on them, of course, to win next year, the third season, or else. Of course, maybe at that point, then they draft a quarterback and they try to buy more time. But to me, I've seen too many mistakes in too, diff- too many key areas to say it's just one coordinator or you know, yeah, it's Mike Kafka, right? But it's it's Brian Dable's offense. Why would it just be Mike Kafka? It's Brian Dable's offense. Or it's Wink Martindale and his defense. What do you mean? The reason they had chances to win early in the season and in the Bills game and in the Jets game and you name it, the reason they won the Washington game was Wink Martindale's defense. Without that defense, this team doesn't have a single win, right? I mean, the Arizona win was the one win where for a half, the offense came completely alive dominated, came back and won, right? That's the one game. That's it. That's it. Even in the Washington game that they won, they score 14 points early with Tyrod Taylor. They get shut out the rest of the game. The defense won that game for the Giants. But just my point is, you know, um, it seems strange for me to piecemeal this. I think that the problems of this team and the way it's gone south has been worse and more alarming than just one side of the ball. Either way, um, you know, a coordinator firing being the solution. That That's how I view it from being as close to it as I am. Um, let's see. Joel. Hey, what's up, Joel? Says, is Dable really this bad? I'm starting to question a lot of the things he's done this season. Like on Sunday, how do you waste a challenge on the second play of the game when it wasn't even close? I agree, Joel. Uh, that was a panic move. And that was a decision that, to me, you know, sending the play call with the run option into Tyrod's headset um, at the start at the end of the half in Buffalo. Um, you know, the decision to kick the field goal rather than go for it against the Jets. Uh, this challenge call against the Cowboys, like a panic move that essentially announces to your team, we can't win, right? It's like going for that fourth and eight against the Eagles in the playoffs last year. Like, what are you doing? You know? Are you more sorted, suited to be a coordinator than a head coach? Is that what you're telling us? Like, get get control of yourself, right? I mean, <clears throat> to me, I look at these players freaking out on the sidelines, and I'm saying their head coach loses, loses his composure all the time on the sidelines. Why wouldn't the players? So, yes, my answer to you is yes, it is that bad. Uh, Jim Osborne says, Pat, are you able to talk off the record with former Giants players who still actively follow the team? Tiki, Tynes, Cross, Banks. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I have those opportunities. I would say that, Joel, everybody's perspective is valuable. I think that a lot of the former Giants players, and, you know, I, I understand this, but a lot of the former Giants players, um, sometimes they will give you a version of what's happening that is colored favorable to the franchise. But the reality is sometimes there are things that need to be told or said or reported 
that reflect extremely positively on the franchise, on the Giants. But other times there are things happening behind the scenes that need to be reported that are not favorable and are, do not make the Giants look great or look uh, the way they want to, but still need to be reported and discussed that way. And so um, I do think that when it gets too bad and really bad, even the f- team friendliest uh former giant players or giant loyalists will concede behind the scenes sometimes that something drastic needs to change. But what I find too, is that a lot of the people who stand their ground in defense of the team, they don't necessarily come around until the change happens. And then they will go back and diagnose like it post-mortem and say, you could always see the signs. Right. But the fact is, some of those people you're talking about have allegiances to the team and that's okay. I do not, right? I work for a newspaper and for an objective outlet where my job is to cover the team from the way I see it and to report to the fans what I feel like they deserve to know, to hold people accountable, hopefully to cover one of these years, one of these days, um, a team that can go on a deep run and win a lot of games and be one of the best teams and offenses in the league and a fun team to watch. I hope one of those days comes. I mean, right now I got a lot of gray hair here. I might have all gray hair by the time I see that team. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, that I hope that answers your question, Jim. Antonio says, "What are the feelings and the energy in the locker room, Pat?" Antonio, the feelings and the energy in the locker room right now. It's, um, I would say a lot of people kind of shaking their head without answers. Um, everybody's trying. But guys are trying to do their own individual jobs, but I think they know that the whole has not been good enough and isn't good enough. And I think they see how many key pieces and players, you know, Darren Waller, Graham Gano, Leonard Williams, whatever, Dory Jackson, um, you know, Evan Neal, like whether it's poor performance, whether it's trades, whether it's injuries. I mean, they're just down a lot of guys. And obviously it starts with Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor. Um, you know, Tyrod, by the way, has been jogging on the field um, by himself with a trainer before practices. So he's putting in some work, staying fit. Looks like a guy who is trying his best to get himself ready once IR is over to possibly come back. I still question uh, the the – Wisdom of coming back with broken ribs to play the Eagles twice down the stretch. I'm not quite sure that's the <laughs> that's the way you would do it or should do it. Um, but that's probably the most noteworthy, you know, immediate future roster update that I could give you. That's you know somewhat positive. Joel checks in with a five dollar super sticker. Thank you, Joel. I really appreciate that, man. Really appreciate that. Joel says, I know it's early, but how would you rate this year's draft class thus far? Well, Joel, let's go right to the draft class, okay? Because I was actually looking at this today. I would say Deontay Banks is a player with potential who you can work with. You know, is he is he definitely going to be a number one shutdown corner? Don't know that yet, but does he fight back? Um, is he really young and still is going to mature and develop? He's, you know, he is physically capable, I think. Um, 
you know, I think he has a lot to learn and he has that maturity to go through, but I think he's a player that you can work with. He's an NFL player, John Michael Schmitz, um, you know, I think is going to be on this team for a long time. Um, we will see if it turns out that he is a stalwart, don't replace this guy for 10 years guy. I mean, that's what they drafted him to be. We don't quite know that yet, but uh, John Michael Schmitz is another player who you can work with. I will say the difference between a Schmitz and a Banks is Schmitz is what he is, right? He's an older player who played a ton of years in college who, yeah, he's still a younger, going to develop, et cetera. But um, I think the player he is and the effectiveness he is, the strength he has, like, I think what you see is what you get now. And so, you know, I do think he, he'll be a really good center for this team as long as they build well around him. Uh, but again, just like Banks, you know, you want to see more than what you've seen so far, even though you see some signs of, of promise. Jalen Hyatt, the third round pick, Joel, um, I think Hyatt has proven a lot of people wrong about some of the types of plays he can make in the league especially that catch over the middle in Buffalo and traffic in the fourth quarter, taking that hit to make a play that said, um, you know, he still hasn't earned that, you know, unquestionable every down guy who's going to shake people open with his routes. Um, you know, I think he still has a lot to continue to hone from a route running standpoint that said, I mean, you know, he could have had two deep shots caught from Daniel Jones in that Raiders game he burns them downfield and Jones misses him twice. Uh, those two plays happen. Maybe we're having a whole nother conversation right now. Uh, you know, I think that Hyatt looks like a guy who now, is he going to be a number one or a number two? Um, I think if he's your number three, right? Like if he's your third receiver with that kind of speed and big playability and knock on wood, so far, for the most part, he stayed available, which is something that I wasn't sh quite sure would happen as a rookie. Now, some of these games, he's had his snaps dialed way down, and I think they actually have tried to save him to keep him healthy, to keep him available for some of those big shots. So if his snaps continue to grow and increase, will he be able to continue to stay healthy? We will see. So that's something I think as long as he stays healthy, Hyatt has proven that he can be a weapon and that he's going to continue to work at it. Um, so right now looks like good value for a third round pick. We'll see. <clears throat> After that, to me, um, Eric Gray, you know, not a punt returner, was misused there. Can he help them as a backup running back? Probably. But, um, you know, on injured reserve, that's disappointing. Trey Hawkins, I think, is a sixth round corner. Like, I, I think he had a good camp, but then was really overmatched once he got in the real games. So developmental player there, you hope he turns into more. Uh, but again, you got him in the sixth round, so we'll see. Very young, like Banks as well. So looks the part, uh, good kid. It's going to continue to work at it. And then Jordan Riley and Javarius Owens, uh, seventh rounders so far, have been total washes as far as even when the Giants have focused on getting young guys in and playing them, um, you know, they still haven't gotten on the field or in the lineup or even off the inactive list. So I think that's concerning. Joel, thank you so much for the super sticker. Really appreciate it. Hopefully that gave you a, a good glimpse into what I think of the draft class so far. Um, let's see. We have 
Rick says if Shane BSs the fans during the bye, he will lose a lot of goodwill. Agree. Good point. Doug Analytics. What's up, Doug? Says, do you have any insight into the analytics department with Ty Siam and the game manager, Cade Knox? Do you place any blame of game decisions, preparedness on that staff? So, Doug, um, that is a staff, you know, Cade especially. That's a guy who Brian Dable, you know, holds in high regard. Um, you know, and so any of the game decision mistakes or decisions that we're talking about that I say are questionable or that work out whichever way, uh, Kate is, is involved in those on game day. And, uh, the analytics department is involved in, in Brian Dable's headset on game day. Um, that said, you know, I don't think that is ever a reason to take blame or credit away from the head coach, because just like the challenge scenario, right? <clears throat> Brian Dable said that they didn't have a replay. So he throws the flag. Like you're the head coach. So whatever you're being told or not told in your ear, whatever you're being advised, whatever numbers are being spit into your ear, the probabilities, it's still on you to process that information and make that decision. And the good coaches are guys who have prepared for those moments before they get there. So you should have a process for dealing with those things. It shouldn't be like you and I, sitting at a game watching when this situation unfolds and we say, well, what do you do? You know, uh, where did this come from? It came out of nowhere. We didn't expect this. They should be prepared for everything. They, it should not catch Brian Dable off guard. And so, um, you know, that's why you have this analytics department. But then like, for example, whatever the, whatever the advice is in a situation where it's kick the field goal or go for it against the jets. If you make the wrong decision, it doesn't work out. That's not the analytics guy's fault because they put it in your ear. If that's the case, that's still you, the head coach, who has to take the blame and the accountability for that. So that's my take on that. Um, but yeah, certainly, Doug, they are a part of that operation. So they, it's not like they're not accountable. It's just I think it, I think everything just falls on the head coach in my, in my mind. You know, good or bad. Um, let's see. Antonio says, do you expect all the players that were limited in practice to play? I do. I I did see uh, Aziz Ojalari popped up today on the injury report with his ankle again. He was back for the Cowboys game, but on a snap count. Then he wasn't on the injury report on Wednesday, but he popped up on it on Thursday as limited. Um, that concerns me. Uh, that concerns me. I did see him in the locker room. It's not like he seemed like down or anything. Um, he didn't talk much about it. Uh, just saw him walking through. So it didn't stick out to me, but I think that's a concern, something to watch. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau and Jalen Hyatt, they look like they're trending through the concussion protocol towards possibly playing. We will see if they clear. It looks like they're headed in that direction, um, but I don't know for sure. I do think that, unfortunately, with Aziz and then Kayvon, it's possible you look at this game that their two top edge rushers are both, even if they're active, are both well below 100%. And then, like I said, the guy I'm concerned about is Saquon. Not that he's not going to play. I do think he's going to play. <clears throat> but Saquon's ankle, that you know that you know the play I'm talking about at the end of the Cowboys game where he took that step and kind of fell back in pain. Um, he got landed on later in the Cowboys game and kind of re-banged up that high right ankle sprain. So he's doing a lot of work on it, but uh, you know, I see some concern. Um, and I think that 
part of the problem for this game. And the reason I think Washington's going to win and cover is because I think not only is the Giants defense going to have a lot more problems than they did in the first game against Washington, I also don't think Tommy DeVito and the Giants offense are going to be able to lean on Barkley because I don't think he's close to 100%. Um, Joel says, do you think Leo will come back next year since he wants to keep playing with Dex? Don't believe he signed an extension with Seattle. Yeah, he didn't sign an extension. Um, it's possible. I don't think, though, that – I mean, you know, the way this season is going and is going to finish, is Leonard really trying to come back here where – they're rebuilding again and where they're not going to pay him what another team is going to pay him. Like the giants paid him big once they're not going to pay him big again. Right. They're paying Dexter Lawrence big now. So no, I don't. And I'm not, I didn't ask Leonard that I didn't ask Leonard's agent that I didn't ask the giants that as far as like the answer to your question, will he resign or not? But all the things and conversations I've had along the way, and how I understand him and where the Giants' situation stands, I do not expect him back here next year, no. R0B says, hey, Pat, how are you? How are you? Thanks. Thanks for asking. Did you see the report that was posted from Kafka's family saying that Mike and Wink could be fired? And what do you think this means for Dable? Do you think he had some pressure on him this season more than maybe we thought? And more to that, how do you think that will affect them in the draft? Um yeah, I saw the report. Tony Pauline reported that a lot of people don't expect Martindale and Kafka to be back and that people around Kafka don't think he survives the season. Um, I have been telling people this, that I think, you know, two to three coordinators changing is not out of the question. Uh, I, that's why, you know, that's why I, part of the reason I keep telling people like, with seven games left here, with them being blown out twice in a row by Antonio Pierce's Raiders, and the Dallas Cowboys, this is going to get worse. And how is just firing a coordinator or two going to fix it? I don't understand it, right? The team is bad. The roster's bad. Uh, and that's because of what the GM in, in power has done, not because of what the people before him did. Um, you know, they paid a quarterback and then got him hurt with a bad offensive line. Um, and I think R0B, here's what I would say. I think I've seen a lot of reports that seem friendly to Joe Shane and Brian Dable come out about how they're scouting quarterbacks, about how they're not going anywhere, about how they're safe, uh, barring anything unforeseen or, uh, you know, unless something drastic happens, like those kind of comments. I'll tell you what's going to happen drastically. They're going to go 2-15. and 15. That's what's going to happen that's drastic, right? So R0B, to answer your question, yes, everybody's job's on the line here. Like, do I think Mike Kafka is going to be the offensive coordinator here next year? Absolutely not. But I also am not sure that Brian Dable is even going to be the head coach in the first place. So is Dable going to fire Mike Kafka? Is Mike Kafka just going to leave? Or is Dable going to get fired? Right? Like all those things, they're all on the table for me right now. And again, I say this, I say this every week, but this is absolutely true. The Giants don't have designs to blow everything up. They don't want to blow everything up. Of course they don't. But they haven't wanted to blow it up all these other years either. They haven't wanted to pull the plug on these coaches three straight times in year two, but they've done it anyway, right? And the autopsy of this season, if you're doing it accurately and, and fairly and and uh, honestly, starts with the general manager, his drafts, his offensive line construction, the paying of Daniel Jones, the investment of money, where where they've paid, the trades they've made. Like it all adds up. 
Not to mention that Shane and Dable are attached to the hip when it comes to game planning, planning the game day roster, who's going to be in the lineup. Like Shane's involved in all that. He's like a baseball manager. So you can't say, well, the head, you know, if it's Joe Shane firing Brian Dable, <coughs> it's not like, well, you know, the head coach did all those things. No, no, no. Joe Shane's involved in all that. So when it went well last year, that was Joe Shane and Brian Dable's show. But this year it goes wrong. That's Joe Shane and Brian Dable's show. Thanks for the question, R0. What are your thoughts? QB, definitely something they're thinking about in this coming draft. Yes. Hunter says, interesting. Thank you, Pat. You got it. Do I expect Tyra back after the bye? Um, you know, I see him jogging. Um, sounds like he's he's tracking towards trying to come back after the bye. Um, you know, I'm not sure. First of all, they were they were only averaging, I think, 11, 12 points when he was in. Um, so will it help them win games? I mean, they're definitely better at quarterback, obviously, with him over Tommy DeVito. That's for sure. But like if you're playing with broken ribs, um, you know, how many hits you can be able to take? I mean, hard for me to see that working out well. But it does look like he's at least staying in shape to try and come back. Screwball Thursday. That's right. Screwball. Raise your screwball. Again, remember, guys, we do these every week. Uh, the live chat, talking ball, live Giants chat, Q&A, uh, Thursday night halftime every week, post game, every Giants game. And on my handle on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram is at PL, my initials, on NFL. And on Twitter, I'm at PLeonardNYDN. Also have all my work at the Daily News, nydailynews.com backslash sports. And my podcast, The Talking Ball with Pat Leonard Podcast, available on YouTube and video. And also wherever you get your podcast audio, Apple, uh, Spotify, Overcast, like wherever you listen, you can download it. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Uh, Jim says, Pat, your point about Williams and Dex fighting Buffalo's O-line was very insightful. That's exactly what teammates expected. Admire. Makes sense that losing him would depress his defensive teammates. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, no, absolutely. Luann says, Matt Barkley should start and Dable is the man. Well, Matt Barkley, so, you know, one thing that was interesting about Matt Barkley Tommy DeVito was limited on Wednesday with that left shoulder. He was full on Thursday. So he's tracking to be the starter. But when he was limited on Wednesday, that does mean most that does mean that Matt Barkley took some snaps. So um, it, you know, he took a lot of snaps pregame um, to get warmed up for the Dallas game as the backup. And now he got some practice reps. So at least that's good to see. Uh, who knows what difference that'll make down the road, but good to see. Tuto checking in. My man, Tuto, livening it up. First, we had Joel Lopez. Now we have Tuto Azori checking in, 499. Massive salutes and respect to Big Boss Pat and all diehard Giants fans in America. Greetings from our entire rugby club in Italy and cheers to screwballs. That's right. Tuto always bringing it, saying hi to the other Giants fans and livening up the chat. Tuto, thank you so much. Another great example of checking in and paying for a super sticker or super chat to help liven it up. You get your questions and comments answered and addressed right away. It helps to promote and support what we're doing here, what we're building here on the podcast and on the YouTube lives. Have more offerings coming. I keep telling you guys this on our YouTube channel and from my coverage of the Giants and the NFL. I will keep you updated, but just stay here. Stay checked in because it'll all be coming to you. Tuto, thank you so much, as always. One of our most loyal followers, along with everybody here, Hunter, Antonio, um, 
Giants Chronicles, Doug Analytics, you know, you name it. Lou Ann, now a huge part. Rick, uh, you know, uh, who else we got? Michael checking in. I mean, you guys just killing it, bringing the heat and bringing the questions in early. Um, if you know, and remember, we have some ads popping into these live Q and A's now. So if an ad drops in as we're talking, just hang around. I'll be coming right back with more insight and more information. All right, let's get to the next question. We have. All right. Our next question is Hunter Keller says Jets question for you, Pat. Do you think a Rod Aaron Rodgers actually does the unthinkable and plays this year, or is it just to try to make people feel better about their season? Hunter, I think that Aaron Rodgers loves attention and I think he wants to stay in the news cycle. And that's the primary reason for why he's keeping this alive. Um, I think that if they do somehow look like they're going to make the playoffs, he sounds like somebody who wants to try to jump on that bandwagon. But to me, it doesn't make any medical sense. And I think he just wants to be part of the conversation throughout. And he, you know, the Jets probably welcome it too, because it keeps the spirits up, um, you know, to help balance out the negativity around how bad Zach Wilson is. So no, I don't think he actually comes back. That's a good question, Hunter. Luann says, maybe we can win six in a row. You never know, but Matt Barkley needs to start. <laughs> Luann, always the optimist, always the optimist. Uh, Antonio says, with, with Tyra, we can win eight, eight games, says Luann. Antonio says, is it confirmed to be broken ribs or is that an assumption? Uh, that's my assumption on Tyrod that it's broken ribs. I think it's a pretty safe one, though. Uh, Rick says, thanks for doing these. Your candor is appreciated. Screwball Thursday. You got it, man. Your questions are great, too. Molly Maul. What's up, Molly Maul? Uh, back in the chat says, I think Shane has done much better than Dable. He's drafted good players and made good free agency moves. I don't know why Dable gets an excuse. Shane isn't a coach. Dable has made a ton of bad decisions. Shane does decide who's available on game day. Um, you know, he's to me, his drafts are not as positive as you say they are. I mean, we could agree to disagree, but like for me, you still want to see more, way more out of Kayvon. Uh, you know, 39 snaps and not in the box score against the Cowboys. Got to be better than that. Um, Evan Neal, obviously not the pick you wanted it to be. Wandale Robinson, not the pick you wanted it to be. Josh Azudu, we all know how that's turned out. Cordell Flott showing some promise now, but. Uh, obviously still a lot to be desired there. Daniel Bellinger, right? Settling back into, um, you know, like a lower round pick type player that you got in the fourth round. Uh, Dane Belton still waiting to see him pop. Micah McFadden, probably the most encouraging player from that class as far as where you drafted him and what he's provided for you in the fifth round, the linebacker out of Iowa. So uh, thumbs up on Micah McFadden right now, but coming off a tough game against Dallas for him as well. And then DJ Davidson, Marcus McKeithen, Darian Beavers, none of them have popped. So when you say he's drafted well, we also went over the 2023 draft class already. I think you can name a few players, a handful of players in those drafts who can make you excited. But Molly Mall, I would contend that Joe Shane's drafts leave a lot to be desired, in particular the offensive line picks of Evan Neal, Josh Azudu, and Marcus McKeithen in his first draft. Look at what these guys have turned into as offensive linemen so far for this team. It's a disaster. It's a total disaster. 
Tuto checking in. Wow. Look at this guy. $9.99. Followed up by Donna Keen for five bucks. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Tuto says, Big Boss Pat, please suit me in Giants gear tomorrow. And I'll promise you the opposing team's quarterback won't be walking off the pitch on their own power with the first hit. I'll need a half chance. You can bank on it. I love it, Tuto. Tuto talking like he's the modern day LT out here, ready to take out Theismann in the backfield. Um, you know, Tuto, I love the aggressiveness. I love the attitude. And uh, frankly, the Giants need some of that juice in the locker room right now because um, they're down in the dumps. I can tell you that. And Donna says, this is the only place where we get real info. Thanks, Donna. That means so much to me. And, and, you know, that's not a cut at anybody else. That means so much to me because I pride myself on being thorough, objective, and honest and real. Like I really do try to bring those things to my coverage. And uh, a lot of times it means telling the fan base what they don't want to hear. And what I love about this YouTube uh, forum and our conversations on these chats is that we can have the conversation and like, let's say Molly Mall and I disagree on, you know, the drafting of Joe Shane or whatever. It doesn't become a Twitter fight and us just blasting each other with, you know, you're off base and you're a clown. And this, you know, none of that happens. We have a, a civilized, intelligent conversation back and forth and it really becomes an exchange of ideas. And that's what I want. I want you guys to be more informed from the things I know, from the access I'm privileged to have. And then I want to hear what you guys have to say, because you guys are passionate. You care about this team as much as anybody. And you know the team's history. You know the franchise's history. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And frankly, the people I feel like who pay attention here and come here, you know, Donna, Tudo. <coughs> everyone who's been jumping in and being so loyal here, I feel like you guys see that this is about trying to dissect the way the Giants can get better to become the team that wins a Super Bowl so everybody can celebrate. I can write a book and do more and do a ton of television and tell everybody how it went right and how special it is. And the GM and coach can be here for 20 years and you guys can all go to the games and they can be one big party. Like that's what we want, right? Like that's what we want. We don't want this down in the dumps every year talking about a new coach and number one pick crap, right? That's exciting for a little bit, maybe every now and then when it, everybody knows it's obviously time for turnover, but geez, enough of this, right? Like enough of this losing. It's just too much. But thank you so much for all you guys who are checking in, um, especially with the super chats and super stickers, Joel Tuto with some massive support. Donna Keen again, really appreciate you saying that, Donna. Um, you know, means a lot. Uh, Molly Mall responds and says, yes, great dialogue and very respectful. I love it way more than Twitter, especially with someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and you guys know what you're talking about too. That's the thing. Like <clears throat> even somebody, um, you could say the polar opposite thing of what I thought to be true or what a player has told me or a coach has told me, but that doesn't mean it's not valid, right? Like, you know, especially week to week, a lot of things change. And also, you know, like you mentioned the draft, Molly Maul, you know, the Giants draft, for example. Um, you know, Wandale Robinson, if he stays healthy, he might prove me wrong and suddenly become a target machine who is moving the chains 
and becomes like a key cog in the offense. Right now, I don't think that's what he is right now, but he can still prove me wrong. Dane Belton could continue to grow and become a starting safety. Um, Evan Neal could, I mean, I don't think he's on this track, but could he do the Andrew Thomas thing of figuring it all out and settling it down and, you know, earning the pick that he was selected at? I mean, the door's not closed yet, right? Um, And, you know, especially like the young guys like Deontay Banks, Jalen Hyatt, John Michael Schmitz, I'm excited about them. But I do think that Shane's drafts are overrated. But even, you know, even though I think that, it's it's still exciting to dissect these things and hope for the Giants to take another step and for these guys to continue to develop because that's what we really want to see is a team that's competitive in the end, right? Um, But, you know, guys, I can't thank you enough for always being here to support me, support the podcast, support these live chats, these live Q&As. Screwball Thursdays, always a lot of fun. When I couldn't do it last Thursday, um, you know, I missed it. I missed it. This has really become like a regular part of what we do. Um, and of, of my week. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys. Tudo again, Tudo with so much support here, man. Oh man. I love it. Massive shout out to our Italian Paisano R0B and the chat from our entire rugby team and all the diehard Giants fans in Italy. Tudo, thank you so much. Wow. I am blown away by the support Tuto um, in this chat, man. You are just, uh, really helping us build this community. I know you're telling a lot of Giants fans who you interact with on message boards, on social media, in here, how much we're getting out of these. Um, and I can't thank you enough. I really can't thank you enough. Uh, remember, guys, we are sponsored here by Bet Online. We're also sponsored by Estate 98. It's an Essencia de Cafe from El Salvador dating back to 1798. Literally, you take a tablespoon, <coughs> you pour it in a cup, Put some ice in, stir it. You got some iced coffee or you pop it in the microwave, heat it up. Instant coffee. It's delicious. You can also use it to make, to mix, you know, uh, mixed drinks, espresso martinis, uh, probably goes pretty well with screwball though. I haven't tried it out yet, but we're continuing to build more and more offerings here for you guys. So stay tuned. Um, you know, I will be at, uh, FedEx field this week for Washington giants and, um, it's going to be a tough one, I think, but it's important that we chronicle every step of the way for you guys. Um, I'm going to finish up. Antonio's got one more question on Cade York. Can you explain the process of signing Cade York to the active roster to be a backup kicker? Uh, no, Antonio, I cannot. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I hate to hate to break it to you, but we keep asking the question of what the heck is going on with him being on the roster and we can't figure it out. Um It's almost like, you know, we will see whether they only have Randy Bullock here on the practice squad until York gets himself figured out, and then they're going to go with him down the stretch and into the future as like a developmental project who can also be their short-term solution, or if they're just going to pull the plug on the the three-week trial of paying Cade York and end up with Randy Bullock as their guy anyway. Um, It looked like more of a developmental signing, but the timing of it and paying him for these three weeks on the active roster to not play is extremely odd and goes along with, I think a lot of personnel decisions along the way that just make you scratch your head. Um, Don't understand it. And so Antonio and and Molly Mall too, like we were talking about, sometimes you disagree. Sometimes the reporters still have the same questions without the answers that the fans do. Right. And, a lot of times, and to Rick's question earlier, 
a lot of times the questions I'm formulating for Joe Shane or Brian Dable or whatever, you know, yes, they're born out of how I'm observing and what I know and the reporting I'm doing, but it's also born out of observing what you guys say and see and feel about this team. And, um, you know, what you ask and how you observe the team informs how I ask the questions and what I present uh, to these people, because I know what questions you guys want answered. And usually they're the same questions and observations that I have as well. And you deserve to know. Um, Doug says, yes, I, I hit the like button on that, Donna. You got it. I hit the like button on that super chat, that super sticker. Thank you so much. And yes, guys, please continue at right before we wrap up, hit those like buttons, the thumbs up, whatever the case may be. Uh, that gives us um, a way to kind of push to YouTube. It's like, uh, you know, when they do the suggested videos, that kind of thing, all that interaction helps continue to spread the word. All right, we'll finish up on this. Doug says, our, our position coach is available tomorrow. Any particular you're interested in, would love to hear Mike Trier's take on being included in Tom Pelissero's Coaches on the Rise article. Uh, those position coaches are not available on this week. I think they'll be available either next week or the week after Thanksgiving. We'll get to that. But Mike Trier, definitely a guy who's respected in the building. Uh, he has not been available, though, because he's not a primary position coach. So that's actually something, though, that's interesting maybe to look for down the road. Um, I do know that Mike is highly thought of, and uh, that's something I'll keep on my list of things to follow up on, along with um, Hunter, the stat on the offensive possession, defensive possession, time of possession, and the averages there. So thank you again, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, this has been another Giants Live Q&A. Thank you, everyone, um, for your support, especially Tudo, Donna Keen, Joel Lopez, all the super chats, all the super stickers, and all the great questions that make these such lively chats. Um, really appreciate it. And RZOB says, Pat, us as a Giants community do Twitter spaces talking about everything Giants for hours. Would you ever be willing to join one? We would love to have you. Uh, maybe interact with us and answer questions. R0B, um, send me a um, send me a message on uh, Instagram. Direct message me on Instagram at PL on NFL and give me the information on that. And we'll see if I can jump into some of those spaces and talk to you guys in that forum sometime as well. Uh, that would be a good way, honestly, to spread the word about what we're doing here as well, right? So I would love to do that. So pass that information along to me in my Instagram uh, DMs, and I'll get back to you there. You don't have Insta. Well, um, direct message, um, Twitter work, email me. My email is pleonard at nydailynews.com. So P-L-E-O-N-A-R-D at nydailynews.com. Uh, you guys can email me directly there if you ever want to. Um, you know, I get, get to questions. I don't always get to the questions right away. It's not like a live chat, but uh, R0B, I will see it there. So thank you very much. Uh, this has been another episode of the Giants Live Q&A. Remember, subscribe if you don't already. We will see you guys post game at Washington uh, for another post game live Q&A. And by the way, check out my recent interview with Sterling Shepard on the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast. And I have an exciting podcast guest coming up next week leading into Thanksgiving. I think you will love. Stay tuned. Talk soon and hang in there, Giants fans. Hang in there. Only seven more games to go.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.